nobody's life is perfect behind the scenes. And, you know, we kind of see that's what our front page, you know, Instagram feed is a little bit more for those curated, beautiful images. And everyone likes to see behind the scenes. It makes, you know, these unattainable, perfect things and people and businesses seem a little more attainable. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Today's guests are Lauren and Rachel, the founders of Sweet Root Village, an event floral design company in the Washington, D.C. area. Lauren and Rachel chat with me about starting Sweet Root Village and their journey from an all-in-one event shop to specializing in high-end floral event design. Their story is such a good lesson in narrowing one's focus and intentionally growing a business with the resources you have available. In addition to that, we talk about how to engage an audience with Instagram stories. Everyone I chatted with that is familiar with Sweet Root Village has brought up their Instagram stories. So we dive into how they create engaging stories and use that platform to grow their business. But before we get to that episode, if you're revisiting your website this season, you need to check out our professionally designed website templates available in the Palm Shop. We now have designs available for both ShowIt and WordPress, and we've recently launched an e-commerce design for those of you who sell products online. Just go to DavianKrista.com and click on the Palm Shop. Be sure to check out the show notes at DavianKrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And I'd like to hear from you about what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brands That Book podcast as we move forward. I'd also like to know what episodes have you enjoyed most so far and why. To leave your feedback, head on over to the Davian Krista Facebook page and send us a message. Now on to the episode. All right, today I'm excited to be here interviewing, I think, our first floral designers to have on the show. I'm with uh, Lauren and Rachel from Sweet Root Village. They are a, I guess, a floral event designers here in, or event floral designers, which which the proper one of those is right, <laughs> <laughs> here in uh, the DMV area. So first floral designers here on the show. So I'm excited not only to jump in and talk about building a floral design business, but also when I ask for recommendations for the show, Lauren and Rachel's names have come up and everybody talks about their Insta stories. So one of the things that we're going to focus on in this inter- uh, interview is their strategy for Insta story and how they use it to engage with their clientele and audience. So welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I yeah. said welcome to us. <laughs> you too. We are welcome. You're welcome to our show. <laughs> we also actually have Lauren's newborn with us too, uh, Nelson. So maybe he'll make an appearance at some point throughout the interview. So we always start the show just, just getting an understanding of how you all got started. So you all have been in business for like nine years now. Where did it all begin? 
Well, nine years ago this summer, it was hard to believe, will actually be Rachel's wedding anniversary. And that was the beginning of our business. We started by doing flowers for friends of friends weddings. Uh, Rachel and I met in college. We also went to church together. That's where we originally met and just kind of dove in out of nowhere. We were in college. I had had some floral background. Rachel's um, background was in graphic design. We were both interested in a lot of creative outlets, photography, uh, we're both super, very type A organized too. So um, we did flyers for her wedding and a friend's wedding, and we just loved it so much and literally started our business overnight. Uh, we just had a um, bottle of wine together and just talked about how it'd be amazing to do this every day and kind of had this epiphany like, wait a second, we're grown ups. We can do whatever we want. Like, why can't we just do this? So obviously we couldn't do full-time overnight, but uh, we figured out a name that night, started a blog that night, and just kind of went with it. Got a business license not too much longer. and um, Basically, we had no idea what we were doing. And here we are nine years later, knowing a fair amount more about what we're doing and loving it more. Than so you all were good friends before you got started? Yeah. Did yeah, you meet in college, did. high school, before that? In college, um, that's when, when we met about maybe senior year, junior year, mm -hmm. something like mm -hmm. that. Probably yeah. 10, 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. And so how did you come up with a name? I, the name you came up with back then, is it the same name today? Yes, yes. And it's actually really difficult to say over the phone. So we realize now, like the words all blend together. People really struggle, apparently. Yeah, we're like, Sweet Root Village. They're like, huh? Sweet Root Village, huh? <laughs> so there's a lot of spelling. We do a lot of spelling. We didn't know anything about marketing or branding, really. And besides, I was a graphic design major, but I hadn't taken my branding class yet. So, you know, so we just, um, truthfully, when we started our business, we wanted to do a little bit of everything, not just flowers. So many people don't know this, but when we started, we did photography wedding planning. We made invitations, did graphic design. We did all sorts of things as in addition to flowers. So we couldn't be something like, you know, sweet root flowers or sweet root photography. We needed something that encompassed all the things we wanted to do. And we love the term village. Like it takes a village. Even now, as I'm holding my baby, someone else will be holding my baby in a few minutes. It literally takes a village right now. And then, you know, because there's two of us, we couldn't be like Lauren's floral company or Rachel's photography, you know, so we just kind of smushed a whole bunch of words together that we liked. Honestly, there's really no good story behind it. So here we are. <laughs> no, I think that's a great story. And, you know, it's funny because when I heard Gerald's names for the first time, Sweet Root Village, for whatever reason, I just feel like your work matches up with that name. You know, I feel like it is a, it is a good name, even if at the time you hadn't taken your branding class. And that's really interesting that you all started doing all sorts of stuff from florals to invitations to photography. Really, how did you decide to narrow your focus down on floral design? I think a lot of it had to do with becoming more known in a way, becoming busier. <laughs> the busier we got, the less we felt like we could do super Everything. well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, We needed to pare down. And so then it was mainly focusing on what we were most passionate about. Quickly, day of coordination and planning elements were cut just because we weren't quite, they were there because we felt like they needed to be there. There was a need in the market, quickly realized less of a need of a market in the market. Photography, we were both really passionate about in the beginning. So that was harder to realize that we needed to cut. I think it just because there's two of us. And so one person kind of hinted at the idea of maybe I'm not quite so excited about doing this for other people anymore. And the other person's like, oh, no way. Kind of me too. Wait, are we joking? No, we're serious. Okay, let's run the numbers. Can we afford to like 
cut this slightly larger money maker because there's not as much cost involved compared to flowers where there's a lot of hard goods and flowers. So we had to kind of run a bunch of numbers, figure out if that was doable, figured out it was. So photography slowly got scaled back. First, we just stopped doing weddings. Then eventually we cut out family photography, newborn photography, kind of everything. And flowers grew really big. So that's exciting. <laughs> I mean, that's a really interesting concept though, is that you cut things out of your business and all of a sudden your business grew. Uh, do you think you're more profitable now? I mean, on one hand, you might be more profitable just because you've been in business longer now, but do you think you're more profitable now having cut all those additional services out and now really just focusing on flowers? I guess as a secondary question, do you feel like you can charge more for your floral design services now that you specialize in that? I would say yes and yes. I think the fact that we are really putting all of our energy into one service, you know, one within the, the industry, I think it helps our brains really focus better and which creates a better product. It also creates, I think, a little more value to our business, not being a one-stop shop um, when we're, we're more of a specialized company. Because in the beginning, we kind of liked the idea of being a one-stop shop and, you know, someone could come to us and do behalf of their wedding vendors. But as we went along, we realized that that actually wasn't quite for us. So we definitely, I think um, all of the above, we're definitely able to to do some bigger weddings now that we're just doing one thing and not a million things. Sure. And now you all are more than just uh, Lauren and Rachel, right? I mean, you have a whole team of people that work uh, alongside of you. I guess, when did you transition from being or trying to be a one-stop shop to just focusing on floral design? And how have you grown your team since? It was a slow process. We grew up, chose to grow our business slowly in general. We didn't you know, do loans or anything to kickstart it. So everything, the first three years were definitely a pretty slow pace. I think three years in is when we even hired our first part-time employee. We just kind of started building our staff slowly. Um, one by one. And that took several years. Now there's six of us in here almost on a full daily basis. So that was all as needed. And then mainly hired, I think initially the part-timer because I got pregnant with my second child at the time. And when I was pregnant with the first in, I don't know, second year of business, we really didn't have very much going on. So it was easier for Lauren to tackle and pick up the slack where, where I was lacking. Second time I got pregnant, we were a bit busier. We had a studio space rather than working out of our homes. And Lauren's like, oh no, it was a surprise for both her and I, for everyone involved. She's like, I can't do this by myself anymore. So we quickly hire a part-timer that kind of fell into our laps and it was a good fit and then took off from there. And then um, I think because we had taken the initial leap because we felt like we had to, it was easier to take additional leaps and hire additional people because we kind of had it figured out a little by then. Yeah. And to answer your question about how, you know, at the pace we took away services, that was pretty slow too. So we didn't overnight, I mean, overnight, yes, we decided to scale back (laughs) photography or scale back wedding coordination, but we took a slow process. You know, we still had clients that had booked us and we went, of course, wanted to finish out those contracts and do our best with those. And we were excited about those weddings. So, you know, it took like a year to phase out wedding planning and then it took another year or so to phase out wedding photography and then maybe another six months to a year to phase out family photography. So everything we've done while we're notorious for making spontaneous business decisions overnight or overnighters launching a sister, you know, a sister company, you know, we've launched, we did that overnight too. (laughs) Notorious for those decisions, fast decisions, but we sometimes, you know, do obviously have to take time to scale up or down the business. Sure. I think there's probably a lot of wisdom in that though, too. Uh, You know, it sounds like you guys have a really good balance between working quickly 
or moving fast, but at the same time, understanding that that certain things just take a lot of time. I also want to say, Lauren, and, and our listeners can't see this right now, but she, you're just holding Nelson. You're a pro. I'm so I'm jealous of this just I because <laughs> having <laughs> Jack, yes, yeah, the <laughs> yeah but you know, having Jack. If I had Jack in my arms right now, I wouldn't be able to concentrate on anything that I was trying to ask or or say. So. I'm just so impressed right now. You, you need to know that. One thing I want to talk about is a physical space. You all have a, a studio. How important is a physical space to you know having a floral design company? We have to have some space, but that space does not have to be out of your home. We actually worked out of my second floor apartment for the first two and a half years of business, um, two years, something like that. And uh, my roommate, I had a roommate at the time because we were in college. She was allergic to flowers, but we were doing flowers right there in the kitchen in the living room. And we had, you know, on the tiny little porch, we had a little storage closet. And so, I mean, we we highly recommend keeping your overhead as low as possible for as long as possible. And home floral studios are a wonderful thing because you don't have to commute anywhere. You can stay in your pajamas if you want. It's <laughs> awesome. And, you know, there are limitations though. Uh, we did find ourselves doing a lot of client meetings at Panera and Starbucks and that got exhausting. And kind of what we, as our weddings got bigger and our clientele got bigger and we started working with higher end wedding planners it just wasn't as you know, kosher. What, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> as, as professional. It would be as would be a little un- unexpected. Yeah. So I mean, it grew out of necessity. Also, the bigger weddings we did, the more space we needed. We found a need eventually for more refrigeration space. So everything again grew slowly and organically. But I definitely say space of some sort is a necessity. But to be wise about how you're spending that money, because as soon as you get rent to pay and utilities to pay on a whole second space, it's a whole other level of, of pressure to be paying the bills. Yeah, and if you have a if you have a home, because we had an we both had apartments that don't really work, and you can't ask your clients to walk up three flights of stairs to you know your tiny little apartment studio. But if you have a home somewhere that's in a really beautiful area, or like a whole basement area that's your entire studio with a separate walk-in, you could totally do. High-end client meetings if you've got a cool space. But we we just didn't have that. So things had to change for us out of necessity. But there's lots of people who can totally make a home studio work for like their entire career. Part of me is a little (laughs) jealous of those who who can. But that's that's definitely a difference between, you know, we're a two-person, like we have two business owners versus Mm -hmm. someone who is a single business owner that we have two people to consider. Like two lives to plan around each other. Yeah. Um, Where are you going to live? When are you going to have babies? When am I going to have babies? Are you done having babies? It's my turn. Yeah. We got a lot of things to plan. Which house (laughs) will we even have the studio at? You know, it's, so a lot more to consider when you have two people and two families, you know, on the yeah. line, everything. And I ask uh, partly because of the refrigeration space and I feel like the, the floral design studios that I've been in before, there's just tons of refrigeration space. So even in your apartments, you were able to make that do, you know, for the time being. I think we didn't have a full walk-in refrigeration space for five years, yeah, six, five six, or six, six years of business. So we blasted the AC and said a lot of prayers. Yeah. I think that, I mean, but again, I think there's just so much wisdom in that. You all were able to build this, this really great business, but you did it, you know, just scaling up as you needed to over, over time. So I want to fast forward a little bit because now you're doing pretty high end events, right? And you started this sister company, Simply Sweet Root. Basically, I guess, why did you start the sister company? What hole were you trying to fill kind of in your business? 
Well, we, based on our business model and how we structured everything, we do have quite a a large minimum investment for our clients to do full service floral design with us. We're not quite able to, you know, to take on too many small projects, but we're getting so many inquiries from some amazing clients that are like, I follow you on Instagram and I want you to do my bouquet and my, you know, my bridesmaids. We we can't necessarily do the whole wedding with you, but I definitely want you to make my bouquet. I love your work. And it was just heartbreaking to us to have to turn those orders down. And there's a lot of reasons on the back end and we have to order in such bulk. It's really hard for us just to make one bouquet without having tons of waste. And so there's a lot of factors there where we unfortunately had to turn a lot of that, that business down. And it was so sad when these, these clients loved us so much. So we saw a little bit of a hole in the market because a lot of the other floral designers we know also have minimum investments for the sim- similar reasons. So we decided to create a handful of floral collections that include bridal bouquets, centerpieces, boutonnieres, corsages, some of the basic staples using flowers that we could source year round and geared towards different styles, you know, a very gardeny bride or a very classic client or wedding or, you know, whatever it is. And made it a la carte. It's like the Amazon of wedding flowers made by Sweet Root Village. You can literally <laughs> just go add five centerpieces and two bouquets and three boutonnieres into your cart and check out and we deliver it. So it's still made by us. You're getting our style and our expertise, and but it's a little bit more affordable. It's a la carte. So there's no customization and there's no consultation and proposals and contracts, but that also makes it a little easier for our clients too, who just say like, you know what? I'm getting married at the courthouse. I just want a really gorgeous bouquet and boutonniere click check out done so and we've really loved loved doing that and we're hoping to even expand some of those collections this year and mm-hmm. we've been doing mark- it for about two years and yeah. hoping to market a bit more towards some corporate clients the dc is a huge corporate market so um having some good items for hotels and conference centers yeah, is going like to be a goal baby showers and rehearsal mm-hmm. dinners just anytime you need just a handful of of floral pieces it's it's perfect for that and do you all deliver those just to this area or can that be ordered really anywhere domestically? It is supposed to be within 60 miles of our okay. studio. <laughs> okay, cool. So That's good to know. Yep, just in the area. Because I'm sure there's people listening thinking, I need to I need to do that, you know, but I'm if they're in California. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be a little more challenging. <laughs> and Rachel, you mentioned that this is an idea that you all basically implemented overnight or at least came up with, you know, in a single night. What did that look like? Or how did you even come up with this idea? It looked like, firstly, a business retreat. We have started doing little business retreats for two or three, three, three or four, four years, years now, seven. where just the two of us go away for a whole weekend and usually at a hotel or somewhere that has room service, <laughs> like bring me food and I'm going to sit on this computer for so many hours and I'm going to go crazy. And then we work on some major business overhauling or new ideas or kind of relive the past year and see what we can make better, things like that. And um, it came up, there's some other, we're not the first to have done this, there's definitely others who have done this. And we took on, took some inspiration from, from others and felt like it was a a perfect need, especially for our business right in our, our area. So it, yeah, we just went for it. And literally in that day overnight, we made the logo, made the website and launched it. I think within the next week or two, once we were able to get all the flowers in, make everything, photograph them, get them up on the site. Um, which is, you know, we alluded to earlier, it is nice being photographers. That is one of our backgrounds that we are able to to photograph our own work. And that is a huge help for our blog and, and everything too. 
Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, just props to you all for being able to get that up over a course of two weeks. I think anything e-commerce, you know, there's just so many components to it, so many integrations, so many things that, you know, have to be worried about on the back end of things. So that's awesome. But I do want to transition into talking about kind of how you guys made a name for yourself in the DMV area. We often talk to people and, you know, I guess one of the complaints that we hear is uh, that they're working in a really saturated market, you know, and I've written before about, you know, whether I think kind of the saturated markets and all of that kind of exist or not. But if there is a saturated market, I assume that DMV, the DMV area would be considered one of them, right? I mean, you have three major cities, you have photographers, floral designers, you know, all sorts of wedding pros and creatives within a stone's throw of each other. So, you know, what were some of the things that you guys did to make a name for yourself in the area and really build this reputation as high-end floral event designers? I really think a turning point for us, um, maybe about three or four years into our business, because up until then, we weren't really well-known, definitely. And the market definitely had some big players in it. And we we were not one of them. But that's okay. We were still pretty small. I think a big turning point for us was getting in with some great wedding planners and being able to show them, kind of prove to them that we were worth it. And we could do great work and we could handle the hustle of a large event. And, you know, it kind of happened by chance. A friend of a friend of a photographer so-and-so recommended us to a wedding planner who was, you know, maybe a little hesitant to use us because we were new and she had never heard of us, but went out on the limb and used us. Um, the client really, really liked us and wanted to book us. And she, that wedding planner is a great friend of ours and we still work closely with her all the time. And truthfully, that was a turning point in our business because we did that wedding with her and through social media, I want to say, and word of mouth through her you know, all the other wedding planners in the area started being like, oh, you worked with so-and-so. And I saw that. And there's definitely a very tight-knit trust between event planners in this area and who they work with. And so that was huge for us. And now we we work with so many different event planners that bring us amazing clients and amazing events. And that definitely allows us to stand out. And uh, I mean, we have to we have to keep our game up, definitely. I mean, we have to make sure our quality is excellent and we're really catering giving that like personal touch to every client. And as much as this is a saturated market, DC is also pretty unique in that the competition is, of course there's competition, obviously it's a huge saturated market, but everyone's friends. Like we we're friends with almost all of our quote unquote competition. We're all, everyone is rooting for each other. It's a strange, but magical area where it all just works really well. And while there is a massive amount of people in every industry in the event world, there's a massive amount of people getting married and hosting events, like more so probably than other areas. It's three large cities. So it, it all balances appropriately. Sure. sure. How important do you think it was uh, to get in with wedding planners, especially in the wedding world, and especially trying to book uh, higher end weddings like you all do? Completely. We wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for the wedding planners that we, we work with. That was 100% the cause for yep. where we are a hundred percent. Yeah. Cause you, you know, if we get featured on a blog or in a magazine, usually that's also a huge thanks to the the planner and the photographer because they're putting, yes, we're putting together beautiful floral arrangements, but, but they are putting together all of the other details that enhance the flowers and the flowers enhance the other details and the photos are incredible and they're the ones sending off the submissions. So I mean, that makes a huge, huge difference. And then the more we're featured and published and associated with those planners, the further we go. And it's just kind of a cycle. And we really, I mean, with those planners, we're connecting, making sure to connect over social media. So when we do get, you know, get tagged in something or get a feature and we post it or they post it, we find it really important to share that. And there's definitely a few tips um, with 
sharing content that are really important. Yeah, just, I mean, tagging. I think everyone knows you should tag other people, but the more tag in both the caption and the image. For us, it sounds weird to say, but with so many so many notifications from Instagram coming in all the time, if we're not tagged in an image itself, I oftentimes will miss the caption post because it'll scroll down through our notifications and disappear completely in very little time. So just, yeah, lots of tagging in images has been a huge thing once that feature was available on Instagram. And obviously stories has made a huge, huge impact over time once that became available and became super huge. Yeah. And I definitely want to talk about uh, stories uh, specifically here in a second. You know, going back to tagging as well, you all have a background in photography. So I'm sure you can take a number of the photos that you share across social media, but do you make it a point to use, you know, other photographers work of your work, you know, other people's photos of your work is what I'm trying to say when sharing, you know, just to kind of uh, contribute to that, that ecosystem of showing off some other people's work as well. Yeah, especially if it's something that's been featured, which does happen a fair amount of times. But if it's been featured, it's definitely more important for the photographer to get the credit than for ourselves. Not that we're sitting there quoting ourselves, photo by by me. (laughs) Definitely when we have images, we're trying to post from the photographer just to help the cycle of tagging. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I do want to talk about stories in particular because, again, when I talk to people, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm interviewing the girls from uh, Sweet River Village. I think, hands down, people are like, oh, I watch their stories. You know, I mean, that's the, I mean, of course, you guys do beautiful work, but, you know, a lot of people talk about watching your stories. And one friend in particular, uh, Jill Powers from Big Spring Farm, um, she was the one, I think, who originally mentioned you all. And just, you know, one thing she said was just that you all do such a good job of, sharing, you know, especially the stories or the behind the scenes of a day or an event in a way that's really engaging, you know, and that's sometimes hard to do because when you're behind the scenes, it's hard sometimes not just to do the the same old thing always, or just to be a series of pictures. And then, you know, people just hustle through them. Right. But when people talk about your stories, it sounds like they they stick around and they watch the entire thing. So was there a, a initial strategy behind using stories or is this something that you all just kind of stumbled upon and, and found success? What did that look like? Yeah, I feel like it was a stumbling upon type of, of a thing. I, I don't know when it became like, I'm going to turn this camera around and talk more to it. I don't know exactly why or when that happened specifically, but I do remember following some people not in the event industry that I found really inspiring, specifically Jen Gotch and Orlando Sorio, who were just really, really comfortable completely being themselves, whether they're crying or singing or whatever they were doing on camera. They just felt so genuine, and I really found that very inspiring. So it became easy to turn the camera, easier to turn the camera around and just be okay with whatever was showing (laughs) and show all the kind of craziness behind the scenes and not feel like we had to filter very much or show a perfect look. We we appreciated that Insta Stories felt like it could be its own versus what we show in our feed and what we're presenting. So that was just received so quickly, so well. It was very strange and unexpected, but we're just kind of rolling with it. So yeah, as much as possible, we're just cruising through showing everything. One, I think, The fact that we can do good stories on site at our weddings has to do with the fact that we build a really great team. We've built a really great team. Um, And having great people on site to help execute the event means we have a little bit more brain space to show all the behind the scenes, which has gone very far, I think, in that. And we have some tips, I guess. Yeah, no, that's great. I want to dive into those tips. What are some of the things that you you experience? I mean, when you start doing anything, you know, if you got no feedback or no engagement, you'd probably stop doing 
you know, whatever it is, right? So it sounds like you initially got some really good feedback around stories and saw some engagement there. What were the kinds of things that you started seeing uh, that made you think, oh, I think, you know, because I'm sure you would agree now that you guys have a strategy behind Insta stories on some level, you know, you all seem to share most events. I mean, if you go to your account on a consistent basis, there's a story there. So I assume that there's some sort of uh, intentionality there at this point anyways. So what were some of the things initially where you're like, oh, wow, you know, I'm posting here. What was some of the feedback and responses that you were getting that made you think, yeah, we should do more of this? Well, I think we were getting a lot more feedback from other designers and started getting a larger following of designers because of the uh, the things we were posting and a lot of tentative questions about what we were doing and a lot of yeah engagement in terms of every element that we posted which, yeah, just encouraged us to figure out what is better to post, I guess, be more thorough in what we're posting and sharing a lot more details and people freaking out about how many details we're posting and as if it's this new novel idea to share a lot of the ins and outs, which I guess to some it is. So that was huge. And then um, going to networking meetings and then having random people approach you, like fangirling was a very strange new experience. Like I watch your stories every day and you know, uh, some weird, just weird interactions that were not uncomfortable, but new to us because we're just like normal people showing all these goofy things behind the scenes. And and it's being so well received that it's encouraging to continue both in person and online. We're getting, we had a lot of great feedback. It's very magical and, and wonderful and it's yeah and that's awesome <laughs> even that you have a community of designers too that uh that follow along with your stories and again just i mean not that it's all about followers or anything like that but you know i think there is some social proof you know in there as well just i'm sure when a bride is recommended to you all or referred to you all by a i'm sure when a bride is referred to you all by a planner and they go to your insta you know instagram account and see that you guys have you know 20ish thousand followers you know and then of course see your work beyond that and then of course even in addition to that, get to see some of the behind the scenes, that's probably pretty affirming for them that, oh, okay, these people are professional and they do a good job. Yeah, I, th- I think so. So you do have some tips for people who are, want to, you know, you implement stories more in their business. Let's go through those. Yeah. I mean, I think the first and foremost, everyone says, be yourself, but it's so, it's so true. It's, it's very easy to tell apart a genuine, a genuine response to something or genuine conversation than it is uh, something that's rehearsed or or crafted or out. I've got this outlined thing. I know exactly what to say in this small amount of time. For me, eye contact, trying my best to look at the camera versus myself. <laughs> Little things about just, I will get a lot of comments about someone will say, it feels like you're talking to me every time you're talking. I feel like you're you're literally talking to the screen to me. And that's encouraging. That makes me feel like I'm doing it correctly if we're just being ourselves and not trying to craft some experience we're just showing the real life and people seem to really, really gravitate. I know I gravitate towards that and what I'm watching. So I definitely recommend that just completely being yourself and figuring out what, what that looks like and what that means. I think it, it works every time. Yeah, I've been trying to get better at that because myself is in sweats 99% of the time, you know? Yes. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, you know, Chris is like, can you get on his story, share about whatever? I'm like, oh, I feel like I have to shower and change out of these, you know? So I'm, I'm trying to get better at that. That's so, like, that's so good. And that kind of is exactly our second tip is to show the behind the scenes. And you, they don't have to be perfect. They're behind the scenes because 
nobody's life is perfect behind the scenes. And, you know, we kind of see that's what our front page, you know, Instagram feed is a little bit more for those curated, beautiful images. And everyone likes to see behind the scenes It makes, you know, these unattainable, perfect things and people and businesses seem a little more attainable. And we even our clients. So we kind of feel like we have in a way like two or three different audiences on Insta stories. We have our clients are watching. Um, other industry professionals are watching, um, which I was thinking like other, you know, other planners and uh, photographers, but then there's also our peers are watching, our other florists are watching. And we have to remember that the whole time, but we kind of feel like all of them like seeing that. We have some clients that will come in for their initial consultation and be like, oh, look, there's baby Nelson. I've been waiting to meet him. Or where are the dogs today? Or, you know, ask about those things. And they'll be like, wow, your studio looks so different than it does in Insta stories. Or, oh, there's the famous Sweet Root Village wall. It's just so much fun that, um, you know, I think it, it immediately makes things feel mm-hmm. more personal. And I think in a digital world and everything's perfect world, and everything's out there for us to see, I think people are, are really looking for that extra personal connection and they're almost more inclined to, to come meet with us mm-hmm. because maybe they've seen those behind the scenes. Yeah, but oftentimes the, the mess is what draws people more. We just got another, we got a message I think yesterday from a, a designer who just got their first studio space. And she's like, it's real rough, but I found pictures of your studio space when you first got it on your blog and I'm equally inspired and relieved. Yes, it's true. But you got to show the mess. You know, it, you can't have the the good isn't quite so good without seeing the bad in a lot of aspects of life. But that was very profound. It was. Ext- I am so deep right now. You don't. You can't see. I the had light two until cups of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice. It's, it's relieving in a sense to get to just you show what you show. It doesn't matter what it looks like. And people love it. It's crazy. Why do people love it? (laughs) I will chime in a little bit on this to say we are very real and we show a lot of behind the scenes. We even show a lot of our mistakes, but we also do remember that our clients are watching. And so, you know, just as a word of advice is like, we will show mistakes, but we're also wise about how we handle them on Insta stories to make, we don't want to make any clients nervous. We want to, don't want them to be like, oh my gosh, they're screwing up every two seconds. You know? So if we do show a mistake, we're more showing it to be like, this is how we fix these things. This is why we're really, you know, good at being crisis managers really. And because we, we can tackle these things. So, um, we do try to keep that in mind that we don't, you know, we don't want to lose people's confidence in us because we're showing every little crack, you know, of ourselves, but we want to show that we're real people and that we're not perfect, but we also know how to manage that because, you know, we've been doing this for nine, 10 years. Like we, we know how to, that's, I think really a make or break in this business is you have to know how to manage a crisis and fix a mistake and make it right. And um, I think we've gotten pretty, pretty good at that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, that's great. And I imagine people are just, you know, like you mentioned, they're just a lot more comfortable when they come in because on some level they feel like they know you. It's probably nice for you all thinking, okay, yeah, this person watches our stories. They know that we're, you know, who we are. And so that probably takes some of the pressure off too, just in terms of the consult itself. Yeah, no, absolutely. In most more times than not, it's it's really nice. You already feel connected with somebody, and they feel like they know you. Although I've got to make sure I turn on the the jokes a little heavier in person, just as much as online. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you, I guess you come off one way online, you know, really funny, and people people meet you, you know, they expect more of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> generally speaking, most people do say that I'm the same. We're all the same. We're the same as online as we are in person, and we we do our best to keep it that way. But it's really it's really fun. That, that's and I great. Think our, yeah, our third sort of main tip was just to mix up content. 
we try not to show our face 100% of the time, but we try to show our face 50% of the time. Like there's definitely a difference between always seeing through the lens what the other person's seeing versus turning the camera around on yourself. And I think both are really important, both showing the behind the scenes. We show a little bit of behind the scenes of business. We show a little bit um, of flowers. We show all the pretty as well as the bad. Like really mixing up the content on stories has been fantastic and keeps all those types of people following us that that we want on all, all different schools. Of, yeah. you know. I don't know about you, but when I'm watching Insta stories, if it's, if it's too much of the same, I just want to swipe to the next person. If I see that someone has 20 stories posted and like the first five are just their face talking, I'm like, yeah, I do want to hear this content, but uh, I want to like see a little bit of something else. So even if we're going to do a series where we're, you know, just talking, just sharing information and it's just looking at Rachel's face all night, she's so good about mixing in things like putting a link on this one or putting some text or a funny GIF or GIF, 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 GIF. We both <laughs> say GIF. She's, it's okay. I, whatever, it's a, you know, it's peanut a thing. Peanut butter, peanut butter. Wait, those are the same thing. Okay. Potato, <laughs> potato is what I definitely meant to say. So, so anyway, I think that's just important just to kind of, like Rachel was saying, just think about it from your viewer's perspective and what do you like to see on Insta stories? And so making sure that you're kind of doing the same thing, mixing it up a little bit and mm -hmm. encouraging people to interact with you, you know, putting little polls or little ask me questions or things like that really, really do that. Engage your audience. Yeah. And I like how you guys have a sense of who you're speaking to as well. Like you have three sort of clearly defined groups of people that, that you know you're engaging with when you do a story. And I'm sure that helps when it comes to kind of varying and planning out the content that you're going to share. And I do want to, I think that's a nice segue to talk about some of the things that you guys have going on in 2019 here. I'm sure that these designers that engage with you, especially over Insta Stories and You've already announced this, but you have some workshops coming up as well. We do. We are, um, yeah. We're speaking at several conferences this year, which we're super excited about. And it is such an honor to be asked to, to speak at things. I think that was kind of a a weird moment for us when we started being asked to speak. We're like, wait, we have thing we have things to teach. You want us? Us? But we love teaching. We always really, really have loved teaching. And so it's really fun for us to do these. So we have a few um, things coming up and one is in New Orleans, Baton Rouge area at the end of March. We're going to be speaking at a conference in Charleston in August, at the beginning of August, um, and one locally here in the Maryland area in April. So kind of all over. And all three have a different one is focused more towards freelance floral designers. One will be probably the main and only speaker over the course of a couple days. And one will be us, we're, we're one of like 10 to 15 speakers. So they're all three very different experiences. And we're going to hopefully be launching official details on all of those. But none of them, we're, we're hosting none of them, which is kind of fun to not be the host yeah, and just coming show in and up. Speaking and, and getting to spend time with people, <laughs> the attendees. Yes. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely be posting that information on our main Instagram feed, but definitely um, watch on stories for all of the um, specific details on locations and dates and um, links to sign up and all of that will be on our Insta stories um, and then stoked. we even personally are hoping to launch some educational opportunities ourselves this year, including mentorships, which we've already launched. We love just talking one-on-one -on -one with people in the industry. It's usually floral designers just looking to, I would say people usually in the first few years of business ready mm -hmm. to kind of take that next step or someone who's about to hire their first employee or they want to move into a studio space or they're in a rut or something like that. And our mentorships are, are a really great way just to kind of hash through things with us and get some advice 
And those are about, you know, one hour, we'll just do a, a phone call or a FaceTime or something mm-hmm. and really get to ask us anything. Yeah. We love being an open book. Yep. And the business of flowers, I think, is where we find the most passion. We love flowers, obviously. We wouldn't be doing what we do if we didn't. But we've equally fallen in love with our own small business and talking business yeah. <laughs> to everybody who will listen. We love talking business. Which is a huge component of doing, you know, event florals, you know, or, or anything, whatever it is. There's always a business side of things. So definitely helps if you enjoy that that aspect of things. Do you feel like Insta Stories has helped promote this kind of stuff, you know, or give you these kind of opportunities to go and speak places? Absolutely. I think how you heard about us too. So yeah. the fact that we're, the more we share, the more open we are, I think the bigger of an impact it has and the, the more someone will trust that what we have to say means something, that it, it will help them. So I think that has gone really far and is the reason we're, we're speaking the yeah. way we are. Well, that's great. And I do want to say again, I'm just, I wish that this podcast, there was a video aspect to it because, you know, just, I'm so impressed with how you all can manage this interview, baby in tow, walking away when you need to for a second here and then coming back. It's just, it's just, yeah, (laughs) it is so, I'm I'm just so impressed by it. And I'm sitting here thinking like, I can never do that. You know, if I had Jack Um, in my arms right now, he would have already lost it. You know, I would not be, (laughs) you you know, so good at multitasking for sure. Being a working parent. (laughs) Yeah. And you all are crushing it. And, uh, it's it's almost in, it's inspiring on some level too because you know even just I mean seven months in now and I still feel like oh man I'm just I, every Don't day worry, I feel like I'm too. learning. <laughs> People ask us all the time like what's the secret? You guys bring your kids to work. You you're rocking it. You're doing so great. I'm like there, um, there's no secret. There's no secret. It's hard. No. It's really really hard. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I love it. Have to do. Yeah, you are just going with the flow here. This is great. So if people who are interested in finding out more, wh- where are the places that they can go to connect with you all? Instagram. Yeah, that's definitely (laughs) the best place. The most current content always is following us on Instagram and checking out our stories Mm -hmm. um, pretty much daily. Rachel's pretty good about checking in all the time. Um, And obviously our main Instagram feed. We're on Facebook, I think. Sometimes, (laughs) occasionally. Sometimes. Basically, email if you want to talk to both of us. And Instagram if you want to talk. Well, Lauren follows along, but I, I respond to every message that comes in. So you send me a message, I will be responding to you. Awesome. And I'll make sure I'll post all of that in the show notes. And I'll make sure that I reach out to Lauren and Rachel about uh, specifics around uh, dates and things like that for your all, you know, the this, this speaking out, not, not only where you can follow them along where they're speaking, but then also for any sort of educational opportunities they are offering this year. Thank you again so much for your time this morning. Thank, Thank you. Me. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DeviantCrista.com.